day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Wow, what a day today. Out of the gate, JT with you as we open up again from Radio Row in Los Angeles at the Convention Center. One of the best lineups I ever have on paper, but I have to execute it coming up here. So we'll tell you all about it as we open up the show here, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Mike Haynes will be our first guest, my longtime friend, the great Hall of Famer for the Silver and Black, and he's kind enough to join me as we kick off the show. Perfect timing, man. You're smooth. <laughs> I, you go from one set to another. Good to see you, Mike. I don't How know if you? my mic is on. It's on. You're good. We can hear okay. you loud and clear. All How right. you doing? I'm good. I'm good. good. How's the trip been so far? Right here in your backyard. So in my backyard. Hard. I grew up right up the street. How man, close did you live from here? Maybe five miles. Really? Yeah. So this is where you played high school football? Yeah, right in this area. Unbelievable. <laughs> so it brings back a lot of great memories, huh? Well, a lot of memories. I wouldn't call them great. <laughs> <laughs> my high school, my high school, <laughs> we didn't win very many games. And I remember you talking to me about that. You went from a high school team that didn't win before you went to ASU, yeah. before you started your Hall of Fame career. Yeah, exactly. So I was very blessed because, you know, growing up here in Los Angeles in this area, got a chance to, you know, see a lot of the Laker players, not just go to the games, uh, a lot of the Ram players, and they lived in close to me, you know, that kind of stuff. So it was always fun, you know, seeing these guys, and I think that, it probably helped me set higher goals, thinking, oh, man, I want to be like him or I want to be like him. And I, 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 I'm pretty sure that's it. And that's why uh, a lot of kids from this area at, during that time, they all got, went on to college or played pro basketball or pro baseball. You what know? a vibrant area to grow yeah. up and live. And now you come to downtown. What do you think of this from Staples Center, now called Crypto, the convention center, not too far down the road in Inglewood, side of the Super Bowl? Oh, I love it. I mean, I love it. That's why I loved playing for the Raiders. Like, you know, I remember I was in New England, yeah. and then and the Raiders were in L.A. They said, would you come play for us? Are you kidding? I'm going home. I'm here. Of course I want to do that. Mike Haynes joins us. I'm going to jump right to the giant Cliff Branch elephant in the room. Yeah. Tonight's Cliff's night. Yeah. And everybody's been talking about this, and you and Cliff were really tight. Yeah. And we've been waiting way too long for this. So what does this night potentially mean to you? Have they have they announced? Well, they, they had the vote. They're going to make the announcement tonight. So we're oh. pretty confident on that. But that announcement comes down tonight at NFL Honors. Well, I, I hope I hope he makes it. I mean, this, you know, there's some things that just bother the heck out of me. Yeah. You know, um, especially guys like Cliff, Cliff, because I had to cover that guy. You know, and I, there was nobody. I'm I'm sure every single defensive back during that era was not looking forward to covering Cliff. There can't be one single guy said, I can't wait to cover him. They're like, no, man, this is going to be a workout covering this guy because his acceleration was just nobody could do what he could do. Well, Mel Blunt said that. You said that when you were yeah. in New England. And but but here's what the, the problem was when I came to play for the Raiders, when people would say, who's the, who's the toughest guy? Well, now he's on my team, so I don't mention his name. If I had been mentioning his name all those years – as a patriot, I bet you he would be in. It's incredible of the Raider legends that had a weight over the years. You know, yeah. you get in and everybody knows about your Hall of Fame career, but 
you had to wait for Coach Madden had to wait a long time. Yep. Coach Flores, yep. your coach, had to wait a very long time. Yep. The snake passed away. Yep. And he had to wait a long time, and Cliff, unfortunately, isn't here with us. Right, and Lester, Lester, and Lester. You know, course. there's a, there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of Raiders, and I I I really think that you know I used to think that uh, I think the NFL uh, was jealous of the Raiders right. of their success, and Al Davis, his personality, um, you know, I I think that they were bothered by that. They weren't like saying, "Oh, let's get those guys in." Oh, what a great organization! What a great this! And I don't think they had that feeling. They, it was like, you know, <laughs> different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so um, that's that's made it hard. Um, but you know, now you know, Mr. Davis has been gone a long time now, and um, you know, but you know, it seems like uh, the guys who were played in the in that era, they still are not getting their just due. Mike Haynes joins us, Hall of Famer, and we'll get to what you're promoting here. Mike, I want to just ask you about this season. There was a lot of turmoil around the Raiders, the Henry Ruggs tragedy that killed the young woman tina tintor all the problems that the raiders had a few of them off the field but they made the playoffs and you were back for some of those games with your gold jacket there were ceremonies there what did you think of the season allegiant stadium and your times in vegas well i thought the season i thought they had a good season especially with all the issues that they had to deal with you know the covid and all and other things as well um it was really a tough time and um they they you have to say they had a good season uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm really in some ways wishing that they'd kept the coach that they had because he's a guy that had to deal with all those problems and he did a great job of overcoming them. And I hope that he gets I think he's shown that he can lead a team, you know, yeah, Josh McDaniels won six Super Bowl rings with the Patriots. And he yeah. comes in with this offense and the offense probably has a different look. And I hopefully we'll see a more explosive Derek Carr at times. But as you know, you played with stability in your career, and then you had one that you were part of the biggest trade, I believe, in NFL history when it came on the positive end for the Raiders. What's it like when you go from one season with the coaching staff and you have a brand new one the next year? Well, I think, you know, I think because it's Josh, I think it's going to be a good thing. You know, uh, he's coming from a winning organization. You know, back back in the old days, it was the Raiders that was that organization. And now it's the Patriots that have it. So coming from the Patriots to the Raiders, I feel like the Raiders have always been close, and I think that Josh will be able to find that one or two things that needs to happen to get them to be like the – when I say that like the old Raiders, I just mean win like the old Raiders. I don't think they can ever be like the old Raiders, but they can win like that again. And I think Josh can bring that to the team. I see you wearing the Life Score sweatshirt. You have a gentleman with you. What are you here to promote? And I know how much you care about men's wellness and how you want to always send a message to me about health. It's always about health. And it started back with my prostate cancer. And uh, the guy I have with me is John Warden. He's the founder of an organization that is creating an app to help. Just like, you know, you have a, yeah. um, a score, a credit score. He, he's coming up with an app that you have a, like a life score. And it measures a lot of different things, and it can tell you where you're short uh, with, you know, like maybe you need uh, more sleep, you need better nutrition, you need more spirituality, you know, there's all these different things um, that make you, um, uh, or allows you to live a, a, a good lifestyle or a good life. And for me, my goal is to make 125. If I can use that app, that's going to help me. You know, that's that before I had to do it myself. Now I ha I'll have a tool that I can look at every day 
and they can help me. So this is John Warden. Say hello to JT. John, pleasure, pleasure. I wish we had two mics going here, but we're going to kind of connect with Mike here for an end, and we'll promote everything here because whatever Mike does, I do. This is a mentor to me and a guy who's done a lot for me. When you survived your prostate cancer, you went on like a world tour telling yeah. everybody about this. It saved your life because you detected it early. Yeah, early detection is the key. And the reason I, I went on this rampage, you might say, is because they would say African-American men are more likely to get this disease than the general population. And I said, I don't know one single African-American man that has prostate cancer. And then as soon as I started saying I was the spokesperson and I wanted to help raise awareness, people would walk over and kind of like say underneath their breath, Mike, I'm a survivor. Mike, I had prostate cancer. And, uh, and so I said, man, well, you got to tell people, man, you, you could have helped me. You know, could have helped me know what the symptoms are. So I tried to just get it out of the closet and just make it normal to talk about these diseases. And so now I'm doing, you know, talk, helping people with heart disease and, and other things as well. Because they need the help, and especially African-Americans. I don't know why it's always just African-Americans that have the problem more than the general population. But um, we need to get the word out, just raise awareness. And and his app is going to help. It's going to help a lot of people, and not just older people, younger people people as well. LifeAidHope.org lifeaidhope.org. I am going to pound away on this with social media. I want to make sure everybody gets this message. Mike, finally, I know I can't get you moved from San Diego to Vegas. Can we get your condo? <laughs> well, maybe can we you get can. your little house. Can we help you? Yeah. Actually, um, you know, my one son, I have one son left, uh, graduates high school this summer. Uh, and so he's looking at colleges right now. He's a ball player, right? Yeah, he played. They were state champions yeah, this year. Yeah, you were telling me you about know, that. And so uh, he's a wide receiver. And I got him. He, fortunately, he knew a lot of good NFL guys. Like he knew Cliff. He knows he knew James Lofton. He knew all these, you know, super guys. Tim Brown. So um, hopefully that'll help him set some high goals for himself. But um, I'm I'm enjoying enjoying watching him. And so wherever he goes to college, um, hopefully I'll be close enough. And like it won't. My last son went to Boston College. That was too far. Too that was way too far. too far. Yeah, that was way too far. And, um, you know, hopefully my son will go somewhere in the southwest uh, and I'll be able to live in Las Vegas or or somewhere close. Last one. My goal in life is that watch and to get one like that. Is there a story behind that watch, that Rolex? Uh Uh-uh. No story behind that? No. That's just that's just your achievement in life. And you got yourself a gift, huh? Yeah. That's it. That's, that's what it. I'm saying. Yeah. I, I got it a long, long time ago. I, I, I think I've had this watch, watch over 30 years. Incredible. Yeah. There's always a story behind a man and his watch. <laughs> Good to see you, my friend. Like Thanks so you. much for Likewise, doing this. JT. Pleasure. Pleasure. How's the wife? She's doing great. How's your wife? Good. Good. Doing Let's good. all get together soon. You got see it. You. There he is, the great Mike Haynes. We appreciate him joining us. And we'll go and tell everybody about lifeaidhope.org. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Mike. What a pleasure it is to talk to Mike as we kick off the show here. Ronnie Lott's going to join us, which is unbelievable coming up. And Barry Sanders, one of the greatest of all time. Bobby, I'm going to break here early. We're lining up another guest here. When we come back, more of our coverage from Radio Row. All of this brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Remy Martin, raise your cocktail game. We thank Remy Martin for sending us out to beautiful Los Angeles, Radio Row. For our coverage of Super Bowl 56 on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio.
it's a similar feeling. I would say the Super Bowl were here longer. I think we we left for I guess the national title was in New Orleans, so we didn't have to go super far. But here we're probably here a little bit longer. I would say the feeling in the locker room is very similar. We have, like I said before, you know, it's all about the relationships that you build within the locker room that carry over onto the field, and it's all about trust and and understanding that. The guys on the opposite side of the ball are going to do their jobs just like they expect you to do your jobs. And that starts in the locker room. And those locker room relationships feel very similar from, from two years ago. Back to Radio Row at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Well, it's great just having Mike Haynes on. Fantastic. Jim Kelly's going to join us coming up here in a little bit. We're excited about that. Also, Ron Jaworski, who's having his big party tonight, the Mike Ditka Ron Jaworski party is fantastic. Mike Golick will join us a little bit later on in the show. But joining us now is one of the greatest football players of all time, I think, on the Mount Rushmore of defense. And there are just a few guys who hit as hard as Ronnie Lott, and he's kind enough to join us. Ronnie, thanks so much for doing this. Great to connect with you. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, as you know, this, this week is a uh, – an incredible week for a lot of reasons. And, uh, you know, I think one of the exciting things about this week is that um, you're always curious about how people are going to handle this week because uh, over the years, you know, when you think of all the great players that have played and some of the, you know, crazy things that have happened, uh, and you know, guys going out after hours, finding ways to do certain things and, and so, yeah, this is a really interesting week to me because the pressure of the game is so big and it, it kind of lends to, you know, people trying to do things that they shouldn't be doing. So, Ronnie, for you, was there out of the four Super Bowls, was there one that you remember more for your emotions leading up to the game than the others, or were they all pretty much the same emotionally? Well, yeah, it's funny that you, that you uh, talked about emotions. Uh, when we played in New Orleans and we were playing the Broncos, uh, that week, for whatever reason, we had a lot of interesting things that went on. And uh, I, I remember uh, um, Jim Burke and, and, and Charles Haley kind of got into a, a little, you know, spiff. And, and, and the spiff was, you know, something that we had never, you know, done, especially, you know, four or five days before the Super Bowl. And I remember sitting there going, what the heck is going on? And, and <laughs> why are we having these kind of, you know, anxiety moments? And, and, and you know, literally, I remember sitting there going, we're blowing it. We're, we're, this is, uh, we're not going to, we're not focused. And sure enough, we go out and we blow out the Broncos. But it, 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 it it tells you that, that, that you never know, you know, the anxiety and, and, and we had, you know, different personalities, but they were all ready to go play that Sunday morning. And uh, even though we had, you know, those kind of moments throughout the week, it, w- it was challenging, but clearly it, it, it made us focus. And, and not only did we focus, but uh, probably played our, our best Super Bowl. Ronnie Lott joins us. Always an honor to talk to this man. Ronnie, what was it like as you played in an era where there were padded practices and it was a lot harder in practice than it is today with walkthroughs and shorts? 
What were those practices like going up against Joe before the NFC Championship and the Super Bowls? How, how good were those practices to prep you to play great on Super Bowl Sunday? Well, first of all, the great thing about the 49ers, and this was a, a hallmark of Bill Walsh, uh, we didn't put pads on. We, we never put pads on that. And, I, and, you know, one of the reasons that I played as long as he played and, and, and myself and others uh, was because of how Bill had this idea and this thought that he was way ahead of the game and understanding how to, you know, preserve you throughout the week and how to make sure that you were going to get ready. And, and, and it was – it was his hallmark of how he would handle the two weeks uh, going into the Super Bowl, things that we had to do, things that we went through in terms of how we were going to deal with the media. I mean, he was detailed to the point of understanding what we needed to do and how we were going to practice. And he took the other, you know, he took the other path of saying, you know, less is more, and 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 we would do less of less hitting and and his his thought was that you know throughout the years that i played we didn't do a lot of hitting and uh i'm indebted to the fact that uh a lot of guys and a lot of people said hey i want to come play for the 49ers because i didn't want that to you know i want to practice like how you guys practice so you had those kind of elements that bill brought to the table that was uh, ahead of the time and, and, and trying to do the right thing to preserve his guys. Ronnie Lott joins us. Ronnie, what was it like to transition from Bill Walsh to Al Davis? And I know you knew Mr. Davis during your years with the 49ers. I would probably guess back to USC with Mr. Davis's roots to Southern California in that program. What was it like when he brought you to the Raiders coming off all the success from the 49ers? I think it was an incredible experience. And the reason it was an incredible experience, I, 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 I got reunited back with, with, you know, my best friend, Marcus Allen. Yeah. And, and so that was an incredible opportunity. And then to play for Art Shell and to play for not only Art Shell, be a part of a team that uh, clearly we had a lot of talent, um, a lot of guys that were really, really good football players. Some guy named Howard, you know, that was phenomenal. And, 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 and my point is that experience for me, going with that, you know, group of people and, and this the bar to me was set higher. And, and the reason why, and this is just an example, Al Davis would have me run with Willie Galt. I'm like, why am I running with Willie Gall? He's like, it's going to help your stride. It's going to make you a little bit faster. You're, and just, you know, I want you to run next to him. And I want you to run, you know, using the same stride. And, and, and so imagine, you know, that moment of someone sharing that perspective of how I could get faster. And, and, and those are the things that, that, that Al Davis brought to the table that, you know, he could see that here's a way to get faster, here's a way that you can improve. And, and to me, I think that those kind of moments in my life, especially at that time, uh, gave me a lot of confidence. And, and I, I ended up probably, probably having, you know, my best, best year 
of, of football playing for them because of all the things that all of those guys brought to the table. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And the competitive spirit that that group had was, was, was phenomenal. Ronnie Lott, the Hall of Famer, kind enough to join us. Ronnie, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Brian Flores and this lawsuit against the NFL and why we only have uh, three men of color as head coaches in this league and the fact that Brian Flores isn't one of them now as a head coach. There's a lot of disturbing stories around the NFL the last couple of weeks about lack of diversity, the Rooney Rule failing, and some of the coaches here and the order they're getting interviewed. As you sit back as one of the all-time greats, how concerned are you with the NFL, with their hiring practices? Well, I'm very concerned. And, and the reason I'm concerned is that, um, you know, again, when I think about structure and I think about uh, the way we practice what we did, it was also uh, a point where Bill Walsh also took it upon himself to kind of create before everyone else was creating this opportunity to create an advancement of how you know coaches could get the opportunity to not only coach but to interview and, and to do certain things and so you know to me um, and watching him and being around him uh, Harry Edwards coming into our team sharing his perspective of what he could do for our team and, and Bill you know said and, and, and to his point, I want to make sure that that we find ways to integrate guys who are coming from small schools and finding a way to make sure that that uh, they understand the diversity of San Francisco and how they can integrate into the community. And so there were things like that that Bill thought about beyond the game of football that made uh, it very successful for our team and for our coaching staff and for a lot of uh, guys to to move on. I mean, I remember sitting in the stands and, and watching and watching at, at at an Eagles game and and, and being there and, and and Ray Rhodes was the head coach of the Eagles and and uh, I found myself you know looking and saying to myself, "Wow, you know." But I had known Ray from you know being a defensive back, uh, him coaching us. And so now to watch him go from, you know, a defensive to being a head coach, it, and it made me realize that, you know, all the training and all the things that Ray went through to get to where he got to, it really, you know, created an, an environment for me that said, okay, yeah, you could see the path. You could see what guys are doing. Unfortunately, I'm not sure where where it went wrong because, mm-hmm. to me, that was the one area where you would think that, man, God, if, if, if more coaches could get, you know, down this path and more people could understand how to go down this path, that maybe there are more coaches of color that could be um, – you know, leading teams and more coaches that would have the opportunity to lead teams. So, yeah, that's what, when I look back at my life, I look back at that experience. I look back at what went on and I look back at some of the 
assistant coaches, you know, that we had that were, you know, African-American black, that were great coaches that, um, um, that brought in to make sure that we had an, an, a really inclusive, interesting staff that, that, that had, you know, the capabilities of, of, of teaching and leading us. And so, yeah, that's what I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking about it and watching it and unfold and, and feeling really bad for Coach Flores because to me, I, I watched him and I admire him. I like the way he, I like his attitude. I like his persistence. And so, you know, what I saw and what I believe and what I felt and what he did at, at, at New England, you know, so, yeah, I'm, yeah, to me, I'm sitting there going, what am I missing? What am I seeing? And what, what, what did work out that, that made it so, you know, challenging and really challenging in a way where, um, you know, people got to the point where they, there were things that created dynamics that said something more than a, more about the game than the game. So that's the area that I think uh, I'm concerned with. That it's it, as as a coach, you're sitting there always with the principle of trying to win and trying to do the right thing because that's what I think coaches try to do. And so, yeah, you know, there's a lot of dynamics there. Right. Hey, Ronnie, 25 years I've been on the radio, and you've been kind to me at every radio row, every big event, the stuff in the Bay Area over the years, everything that you've done in the past, helping kids and the Lot Impact Award. It's an honor to talk to you. Jamie's one of my best friends in Vegas, and when he told me we had you on, I was thrilled. You make my night. You make my day. Thanks so much for doing this. I hope to see you real soon. All righty, man. Always the best. You take care. You too, Ronnie. Ronnie Lott, great to catch up with him. And again, if you look at the history of this league, the Mount Rushmore of defense, you could have whoever you want on it. Ronnie Lott is one of the four. No debate. Barry Sanders is going to join us coming up here in a little bit. Just fantastic. We got very fortunate on this trip, everybody, that the people that didn't come in because of COVID or travel restrictions were nice enough to come on the air with me over the phone. And that's really what made this Radio Row special for me. All the people that stepped up to come on the air with me when I asked, hey, can you do this? And they said, absolutely. And Ronnie Lott, are you kidding me? Uh, One of my heroes, one of my favorite players of all time. And it's so good. So good to talk to him. This is all brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. PT's fuels the monologue and all these great gold jacket Hall of Famers who are joining us with our in-depth team coverage of the Raiders here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Coming up next, one of the greatest running backs of all time, if not the greatest, Barry Sanders will join us as we keep it going here on a big day, huge day. We'll be here tomorrow for a show. I'll be here for the weekend, but tonight my focus is on one thing, Cliff Branch and the call and the announcement at NFL Honors. All Raider fans, hashtag Cliff Branch. And then once he gets in, hashtag Cliff Branch, H-O-F. What a night we're going to have in downtown Los Angeles.
Coming here and being with Coop has just been really amazing for me. You come in somewhere where they have their guy and you you watch and you witness greatness between him and Stafford as far as the attention to detail, the relationship that they have. Like that's everything that you want as far as a QB and a receiver, you know? So it's just been great. Honestly, I've learned so much from him. He's a great guy, obviously an incredible talent. You know, I'm just happy that I made the right choice. You know, now I just feel like he deserves this trophy and he deserves a ring and just want to help be able to, you know, along with everybody else here, but want to help be able to you know, help them finish the job. Back to Radio Row at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Welcome back to Radio Row live in Los Angeles, JT, with one of my favorite players of all time friend of the show he works with jb bernstein one of my best friends out in vegas the legend barry sanders thanks for doing this barry so great to be here thanks for having me you know you've been making the rounds and you do this every year you're really committed to your business partners let's first talk about rocket mortgage because all the companies you've represented and spoke for and appeared at over the years you build these great relationships absolutely and it's great to partner up with uh, rocket mortgage again this year with the rocket mortgage super bowl squares they're giving away more cash uh, once again. And so the way it works, every score change, uh, a lucky fan will have a chance to win $50,000. Um, at halftime and at the end of the game, they'll be able to win half a million dollars with those two grand prizes. Um, the entry, entry window closes tomorrow, February 11th at, at midnight. Um, you know, so it, it's free to play. So go to rockandmortgagesquares.com, um, get signed up. Uh, and maybe have a chance to win some cash. But, it's, you know, like I said before, it's, it's free to play. Entry window closes tomorrow. Um, and they've given away over $3 million over the last few years doing this. Um, so, once again, they're here to be able to, you know, give fans a, a chance to win some cash. Barry Sanders joins us. How was the relationship? How did you build it with Matthew Stafford over the years with all the times you saw him at events or talked to him? And how happy are you for his newfound success? Absolutely, yeah. You know, we, we've uh, run across each other in Michigan several times and, and me going to games and just being around the team. And, and um, you know what? Um, for me personally, it's, it's great to see how well he's fit into the situation. Yeah. Um, you know, I think everyone, you know, we, we've all learned from watching sports. Just because you throw great, you know, superstars together doesn't mean you're going to have a great team. So it's a testament to these guys being able to really gel together and have the right chemistry, um, you know, and Coach McVay and, and the whole Rams organization. But it's been phenomenal watching how, how Matt has just really been a perfect fit in this situation. Right. Um, and it just, has just thrived. And it's funny because you watch him, you watch him um, as I did over the last decade plus in Michigan, and you hear all these this chatter about, okay, is, can he do this? Can he do that? Can he win the big one? You know, going up against uh, Aaron Rodgers every, you know, a uh, couple times a year and having, you know, and all, all the playoff roads in, 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 uh, in that division go through Green Bay, obviously. Um, and I think, but I think Matthew has answered a lot of questions about his skill set and his skill level and whether he can lead a team. Barry Sanders, the Hall of Famer, kind enough to join us, courtesy of Rocket Mortgage. I got a son who's a junior at Oklahoma, okay? And your career at o Oklahoma State is incredible to me. What I love about this is my son went and walked that campus at Oklahoma. He had a couple other colleges he was thinking about. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, I want to go here. I like it here. And now that region of the country... I live in Vegas, and I'm from New York, and it's just nice to see and meet people from that part of the country who are just so inclusive, so inviting, and my son's having a great experience in that part of the country. Oh, great, great. Yeah. No, hey, look, that's, you know, I grew up in Kansas, and obviously I went to school in Stillwater, and um, for me, 
just uh, and, I, and I always I often get back there, um, you know, and some of my most precious memories uh, in Absolutely. life are just Oklahoma State, being a student athlete, um, you know, and and uh, you know just being in school there, the the, the Stillwater community, the surrounding just Oklahoma community, uh, which you know um, for me. You know, I um, that's when that's what really when my life changed, winning the Heisman Trophy in Stillwater and and uh, being there with, with with Thurman Thomas. You know, the current the current um, the current coach there, Mike Gundy, was my quarterback. And yeah, so, awesome. And so so I, yeah, I just have great great memories and great relationships there, and it, it is a great place to be. I've heard you on other radio shows, and in the past we've talked about it how humble you were backing up. Thurman Thomas before you got your shot. I mean, we look at the numbers that you would have had if you just went right in and played, but I think of that with Steve Young backing up Montana. Or Aaron Rodgers didn't play for years behind Favre. What did you learn at that time that made you a great player? Yeah, I I don't know if – I guess humility is the word for it. For me, coming out of high school, no one knew who I was. Um, And, you know, Thurman was kind of the big man on campus. And so it was really just a treat. One, just to get, a, for me, a scholarship to a Big 8 school, which was it was a Big 8 back then. Um, and then for me to work my way up, uh, you know, the depth chart, you know, because when I, when I first got there, I, w- I wasn't Thurman's backup. I was like, you know, number seven or six or whatever, uh, you know, and I just slowly worked my way up, you know. And so by my sophomore year, when I became an All-American kick returner, then that's, that's kind of when I was sort of Thurman's backup. And, um, and, you know, for me, it was – I didn't know he could get better than that, honestly, to be, being, being able to go in and spell Thurman whenever he got tired because we, we knew he was headed to the NFL, um, you know, and obviously that was before my Heisman year, you know. So, for me, those were some of the great years just watching, just watching Thurman every day. He was such a pro, and so he seemed so much more mature than all the rest of us, you know, but uh, just, just some great memories there. Barry Sanders, one thing on that, what happened between the sophomore and junior year in the offseason? Well, the workout stronger and better. You faster. When you got your chance, how did it change? I mean, that's the arc of your career. How did you prepare for that? Uh, for, for me, it was just about getting in there, grinding every day. I love being a college football player and student athlete. Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't know what was going to happen when Thurman left. Um, it was just a case of me really being ready and prepared and preparing myself and and being hungry. You know, and realizing that there's no better thing in life at that point for me than being a running back a starting running back in the big a conference are you kidding me um you know and so um it was just taking advantage of a great situation i, I played I, you know i have to have to mention this as well you know because i i was in a great situation where i had five fifth year senior offensive linemen which yes. obviously that couldn't that couldn't happen in today's football yeah right you know but i had five fifth year seamen senior offensive linemen a lot of those guys had blocked for thurman they blocked for me that year, and it was just, you know, and, and a fifth-year senior fullback as well. And obviously, like I mentioned before, Mike Gundy, who's a coach now, he was a quarterback. But, no, it was just it was just me stepping into a situation where I was hungry. You know, I prepared myself over the years. I had the, I had the right mental attitude, um, and I just wanted to attack the field and, and uh, be the best player I could, um, and great things happened for me. Barry, last one, and if you could answer this, uh, just from a Hall of Fame perspective, tonight's a big night for me and a lot of friends of Cliff Branch who passed away. And Cliff's supposed to get the call tonight. And Cliff passed away a couple of years ago, and tonight in a few hours at NFL Honors, he's supposed to be a Hall of Famer. He's the only senior nominee there. And it's been a long time. He should have been in 30 years ago. You've heard stories of your Hall of Fame brothers that had to wait over the years. I just want to connect you with the Hall of Fame and what it means to you when you put your gold jacket on, you get a chance to go back to Canton with your brothers. Well, hey, listen, man. Cliff Branch, 
Are you kidding me? One of my favorite players. I, I'm growing up a huge Raider fan, growing up a huge John Madden fan. Um, Fred Belitnikoff, Cliff Branch, all those guys, you know, Kenny Stabler. I mean, you know, um, Gene Upshaw, Dave Casper. I, I hate I hate to list run off the whole Raiders roster. From run it off. From 1972. Run it <laughs> off. <laughs> but, um, but, no, I, I love Cliff Branch, and uh, I hope he – you know, you said he's he's he's, he's tonight's he's, tonight. He's getting in. Okay, he, well, he is well getting, the, tonight we, we're going to know. We're going to vote on. Okay, they, well, I'll, I'll, they already I hope had he does. to vote. I know you would. He was and, such he was such an outstanding player and so, so such a speedy, um, unguardable receiver. Uh, I can't believe the Raiders had Cliff Branch and Fred Belichick um, on the same team, but uh, <laughs> but they had they had they had such a dynamic team, um, and I, I'll never forget. The, I guess it was a 77th Super Bowl against the Vikings. Um, yes. Watching that game as a nine-year-old, um, you know, and, and um, you know, so anyway, good, good luck. What a memory you have, of Cliff, of, of oh, that are you and kidding that time. Me? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was my team, man. That was my team. How that was, was my organization. Your team? I just loved it. I don't know. I just loved the Raiders. I I'm, I'm not sure why growing up in Kansas, I loved John Madden and, and um, guys like uh, – you know, um, the running back, um, Mark Van Egan. Mark Van Egan. Mark Van Egan. Yeah. Um, guys like that. I just, I don't know. I just love the Raiders for some reason. So we gotta don't ask get me. You. <laughs> now, with JB and I living in Vegas, you got to come out and see this new stadium, Barry. Oh, it's I'd love incredible. to. Oh, and you're yeah. tight with Marcus and Ronnie Lott and all your guys that come back from time to time. Please pick a weekend. I know you got a lot of appearances. If Mark Davis will have me, you know. <laughs> If, I'm going to see Mark Tell Davis Mark, tonight. Yeah, if he'll have me, I, I'd love to. I'd love to see it, man. You know, he he probably didn't understand how big of a fan I was of his dad. You know, Al Davis and the whole Raider everything. Um, you know, so yes, I'll, I'll be there, man. I've Absolutely. been interviewing you a long time because of JB being on my friend, and I knew we were going to get you there. But I'll never forget this because it means a lot to our listeners that you had that passion for the Raider Nation as a kid and my son going to Oklahoma. And my last game, game my son went to, he drove from the Raiders beat the Cowboys, remember, on Thanksgiving this year. Oh, right, Massive right. game. Mm-hmm. He drove all the way to Stillwater for Bedlam, and your boys knocked off OU. And then all of a sudden, Lincoln Riley claims he got a phone call. And all of a sudden, he's at USC, and my son and his friends are saying, wait a second, the timeline doesn't add up. He was just coaching Bedlam. All of a sudden, he's on the bus, and he's gone to right, USC. Right. Your guys sent him off to USC with Sounds kind of suspicious, huh? Sounds it's, a little suspicious, right? <laughs> absolutely. Barry, right, no, thanks hey, for doing this, man. Great all to the see best. you, man. Great my to pleasure, see you. Man. And, again, Rocket Mortgage. Absolutely. RocketMortgageSquares.com. You can win a lot of cash. Um, you know, good luck to all the fans out there. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Appreciate you, Barry. Barry Sanders, wow, just fantastic. Hey, Raider Nation, how about his love for the Raiders? I mean, he lit up. He lit up. Uh, go to at JT the Brick and see him with me just now on Radio Row. What a good guy. And uh, we'll have Barry out to Vegas. Super Bowl week live from Radio Row at the Los Angeles Convention Center brought to you by Remy Martin on Sunday. The Botanist Gin is going to reveal its first big game TV campaign. I can't wait for this. In partnership with the Independent Restaurant Coalition, showing support for restaurants and bars struggling during the pandemic. Whether it's a botanist Bloody Mary, a botanist gin and tonic, or what I love, the botanist gin mule, the botanist gin is an excellent choice during the game. So is having a designated driver. Remy Quantro, team up responsibly. Remy Martin, fueling the Barry Sanders interview. Really appreciate that. Cisco, the president of the Black Hole in Vegas, heading into the big game party. How are you, Cisco? Hey, JT, always a pleasure, my man. Hey, man, let me just tell you, 
I think I'm going to go out and order me a Raider <laughs> Berry number 20 jersey, man. He got me juice thinking all them names, man. I was just, oh, wow. Really cool. What a great call. What a great interview, man. Thank you. As always, always, always. But, uh, yeah, you know, hey, I wish you could make it. I know you're out there in Radio Row, and I'm envious of you and, and Q and everybody else that's out there. But, uh, hey, man, back here in Vegas, everybody come out, Tropicana. We're doing a big game party, as you mentioned. And, uh, you know, we were hoping to get a lot more alumni, but they're out there with you rubbing elbows and getting on the on the horn with you. But, uh, hey, man, we're going to have a good time. And, like I said, I wish you were there. Uh, Gorilla and I are getting together on Friday, smoking cigars, and we're finally going to make it out to the Eight Lounge over there at. Uh, oh, uh, make sure you let them know. Tell them, tell them I love them out there and everything they do at Resorts World at H Eight Lounge. You guys are going to love it there. Let them know that I recommended it to you and have a great time. But Cisco, this is a black hole big game party. Give us more details. What time the doors open? Everybody in Las Vegas needs a big game party. This sounds perfect. Oh, yeah, man. So it's uh, doors open at 1.30. Uh, all you can eat, all you can drink with the admission price. It's on a link there. Go to our main Facebook page, The Black Hole. All the info's there for you. Um, man, we're, we're, doing it. we're doing it big, man. You know how we always do it, JT. You know, everybody has a good time. We got the super fans out there. Uh, we may have some former Raider, uh, L.A. Raiderettes in the house. Um, man, it's just going to be a good time, man. You know, like I said, doors open up at one thirty. Probably get there early, get a good seat, and uh, hang out with the black hole super fans. And uh, let's have a good time, man. DJ Mike be spinning like he does at the tailgate, which your nose is there, and keep the keep the booties wiggling right. and the toes tapping, man. We're gonna have a good time. Well, I'm sure there'll be several buckets of Modelo in spirit oh, for me. Okay, so make sure oh, yeah. the Modelo is flowing, my brother. Oh, yeah, and the buckets of Modelo Corona and some Woodson whiskey. Yes. Thank you, my friend. Hope everybody shows it. up. I'll talk to you when I get back. There's Cisco. Everybody go support the Black Hole Party. It'll be fantastic. They throw great parties. I mean, it's a Raider party on steroids. Go support them down at the Tropicana. 702-365-9200. Man, what a guest list we have today. Follow me at Twitter. One of the best radio road days I've ever had. Uh, coming up, Joe Theismann, Jim Kelly, Ron Jaworski, Mike Golick, who's a friend of the show, they're all going to join us next hour, and i got to figure out a way with Bobby how to fit him in. The Jim Kelly interview is very important to me. Jim's been battling cancer and health issues for a long time. He's not out here. He texted me, said, when do you need me? I said, Jim, whenever you can come on. He banged my phone on tw uh, text and said, I'll be there at 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock out of Buffalo. So please stick around. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. I'm really excited to talk to my friend, the great Jim Kelly, passionate Raider, including our coverage here on Radio Row. What's happening? Hey, good afternoon, JT, man. God, dude, JT, I just want to just give you props, man, because the stuff you've been doing this week, the guests you've been having on this week, man, ever since 920 has been about, JD, I'm not much of a history person. I know my era, Raiders, but, but just to really hear all the stories that you bring on from the players, the, 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 the memories of the Raider mystique, you, you couldn't. It's heaven on earth, JT. But just to come on after Barry Sanders and hear out of that man's mouth that he loves the Raiders, come on, Barry. Come over and coach Josh for us. Come over and help with our running backs, man. No, but, but, JT, that's just so awesome to hear that from, 
from the greats. And here's the stories from Ronnie Lott, man. I remember that was my younger day, just watching Ronnie Lott when he put that silver and black on. We all hated the 49ers, but still, when Ronnie put that on, we were happy to have Ronnie in silver and black. So I just want to give you guys a big shout-out, JT. Thanks for everything, man. And I just really hope, I really pray, man, you know how much I love this team. I pray that this next generation of Raiders with this coaching staff would just get the grisp of what it is to be a freaking Raider. Well, I think they do. Appreciate to dominate. Yep. Thanks for the call, buddy. Appreciate it. Look, Max Crosby is supposed to come on with me. He's buried here. I mean, he is. He is like when you know when you drop drop fish food into a fish tank and a thousand fish come. That's what's Max can't walk from one side to the other. So he came over while we were talking to Barry Sanders. Gave me a big hug. We're gonna try to get him on. Darren Waller is trying to get on the show too. So we're just busy here because the Raiders give us so much pride and help us get these guests on along with all the agents behind the scenes. So Ronnie Lott interview is important. He doesn't do much. Ronnie, you won't hear Ronnie on radio often, and uh, to get him means a lot to me. Roger Goodell had his press conference yesterday. I want to play a little bit of sound from this because this is really the story here about inequality when it comes to African-American candidates. Roger Goodell yesterday at his State of the Union talking about the issues as of late. Let's take Coach Flores' litigation and put that to the side. It's really more important to talk about what Coach Flores was talking about and other coaches have talked about with respect to what really is happening in the hiring process. What's good, what's bad, what's not leading us to the results that we expect to have. Now, Roger Goodell knew he had to have this press conference and he had to take the heat. He had to answer the media for clearly the inefficiencies of this league over the last couple of weeks and over a long period of time. I think Roger Goodell did a pretty good job. He answered every question, and he talked about falling short when it came to the head coaching hires. I think we made a tremendous amount, a lot of progress in a lot of areas, but not at the head coach. And that is something that uh, is something we really had focused on to try to get the kind of results that we would expect. And we fell short of that by a long shot for us. Brian Flores becomes a head coach suing the league. And that comes right into Roger Goodell's world. And he's got to deal with this. He's got to change his thoughts on what they've done in the past and what they're going to do in the future. To me, it's more important for us to sort of listen to coach, understand what he and other coaches are going through, what our clubs are going through, what they, the feedback they have. And also, again, reevaluate everything we're doing. Let's, let's see. Are we making mistakes that we subconsciously are doing or didn't think was a mistake? We have to reopen to every one of those. Um, and so, uh, you know, I admire and respect Coach a lot. And so uh, I hope we'll get a lot of feedback, not just from Coach Flores, but everybody in this league. That's what's going to make us better. Let's move on to the Washington football team, now the commanders, and the investigation, the latest investigation on allegations to the owner, Daniel Snyder. Here's the commissioner yesterday. The roundtable did bring forward another witness that uh, spoke about her experience with Washington. I think we treat that very seriously, um, and we need to look into that. We'll obviously do an investigation. We've said that from day one, that we will look into this and uh, do an investigation. We need to understand what really truly happened in those circumstances and treat that uh, in the best uh, and most serious way uh, we can to make sure we preserve the type of culture we want uh, in the NFL. Yeah, there's a lot of holes in that soundbite there because this Washington football team investigation should have been going on at a much more thorough le- a level for a long period of time. We all know that from the John Gruden 
emails that were leaked and all the issues surrounding that. So Roger Goodell made it clear that Washington will not be involved in their own investigation policing themselves. I do not see any way that uh, a team can do its own investigation of itself. Uh, that's something that uh, we would do. We would do it with an outside expert that would be able to help us um, come to the conclusion of what the facts were and what really truly happened so that we can make the right decision from there. So we'll, we'll treat that seriously and move forward. So whatever you think of the commissioner, the commissioner had a lot of work cleaning this up. And he did it yesterday, and there'll be more to come. This hour was brought to you by BillsHappen.com. If you need cash, they'll help you. They're Raider fans. This is what they do, and they do it at a high level. BillsHappen.com. If you need $5,000 cash, get it from the best. Raider fans at BillsHappen.com.